Thank you for listening to the Akuo Church Podcast. We exist so that people will be in community with Jesus and one another. We'll do that by listening to God, loving people, learning our purpose, and linking to our community. From wherever you are listening, welcome to the community. We hope you enjoy the message. All right. I think we all have a lot to talk about today on Super Bowl Sunday. Lots of thoughts and feelings. Uh, you know, I, I um, just, uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is Zach Cronley. I'm the community pastor here. And uh, I just wanted to say once again, welcome. Thank you so much for being here on Super Bowl Sunday. You know, they used to think like conventional wisdom was Super Bowl Sunday was a very low attendance because people have parties and things they want to get to. But then what we realized is nowadays is they're very highly attended because people are wanting to seek favor from God for their team. Uh, and uh, uh, I got to tell you, it won't work, but I'm glad you're trying. Thanks for being here. Um, and just to get us started today, uh, we're in this series, uh, Gospel Living. Uh, I, I want to just ask you a, a quick question, just to get your, your, your wheels turning, which is this. Have you ever been punished in a way that you felt was unfair? Right? When Was there ever a time where you were just punished and you felt like it was completely undeserved. Uh, I have this story that popped into my head when I was asking myself this question of, I must have been in the fourth or fifth grade, and we were uh, in class, and that whole year we had been doing that really classic kids prank where somebody stands up, and when they're not looking, you pull the chair out from behind them, so when they sit down, they fall. And I had, somebody had done that to me at some point, and so I had it in my head. I'm this, you know, silly little kid, like, oh, it's going to be my turn. I'm going to do this. It's going to be amazing. And so I uh, happened to have an opportunity, so I, I do it, right? And, uh, you know, I've, I've seen movies. I think, oh, this is going to be a great moment, right? Everybody's going to laugh. They're going to put me up on their shoulders. It's going to be this great thing. And I do it, but instead, you know, the kid falls. Nobody even notices. It's just end of story, right? Well, except I happened to do this during our music class, and the teacher who was there, he sees it and like stops everything and goes, who did that? And total silence. So I sheepishly raise my hand and I say, I did it, I'm sorry. And what the teacher proceeded to say is that he had himself as a child been bullied and so he proceeds to spend literally the rest of our class just taking out all of his entire childhood's frustration out on me. And I mean, it, I, it's hard to even exaggerate how unfair it felt in the moment. And you know, why am I telling you this story? Because I haven't thought about this story in 25 years. But the moment I, it popped into my head, it was like every detail, it was crystal clear. If you asked me who was in your class, I couldn't tell you, but in that moment, I could tell you every face. I have it perfectly in my mind. And there's just something about our brains when we have these moments of just like unfair punishment where it just, it crystallizes. And, and so let me ask you the, another question is, is now, can you remember a time where you were supposed to be punished. You did something you deserve to be punished for, and you got away with it. You know, if you're anything like me, you know, it's probably not as crystal clear for you. 
there's just something about the way that we're wired. Like if I ask you like, how many times in your life have you ran a red light or uh, blown through a, a stop sign? You know, the, the details are hazy. We don't, we don't think about them the exact same way. There's something in the way that we're wired naturally where we tend to have this sense of justice where any injustice against us is very deep in our, in our brains and in our hearts, but things where we're getting away with something and receiving grace, much, much harder to keep in our mind. And so uh, I want to tell you that we are, again, now in a, ser- a new series. We uh, have started our year talking about uh, Acts 2.42. And uh, I want to read it for you. It says, Now all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And we've been giving special attention to this word fellowship. The Greek word is this word koinonia. And it literally means a, uh, a sharing a mutual participation. It's, it's this very central word when we talk about uh, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. In this, we're in the middle of this series called Gospel Living, and so much of living out the gospel can, and so much of what, what explains what that looks like is found in this word, the, the, the koinonia, the, the, the fellowship. You see, the church is not a building, but it's a people in fellowship with each other. A community, you might say. And we're going to be continuing to explore this idea. And as we do it, this is sort of our big idea, is Jesus has come to form his koinonia, or community, for the kingdom of heaven to live in a gospel way. And his kingdom is not bound by borders or ethnicities, but in a shared trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And he gives us a new way to live. He, he teaches us, he says this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 45. He says, you have heard the law say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. We call this common grace. Like we, we understand if you put your trust in Jesus, there's a special grace attached to that. But then there's even common grace. God is just so graceful. It's just in his very nature that his grace abounds to everyone. And, and that nature of God, that characteristic of God is our model. And I think for a lot of us, this all sounds really great. It's very churchy. It sounds very good until life gets very real. Like we've all had those relationships in our life where the moment any awkwardness or difficulty or just anything that, that, you know, someone offends us or hurts us in some way, we just decide it's time to bow out and walk away. You know, it's not necessarily that we burn bridges all the time but it's that we just kind of neglect them and let them kind of fall apart from, from just neglect. And that's not even talking about when someone actually deeply offends us or harms us or the people that we love about. And, and obviously there are seriously divisive things happening today in our world. 
you know, the world is trying to teach us all, every one of us, to, to build bigger walls, to deep, dig deeper into our camps and see the people who disagree with us as our enemies. But even though it's as a tale as old as time, it's, I, we, we see it. It feels like it's getting worse than ever. And I want us to look at a story in the New Testament that I think just so aptly highlights this radical calling of gospel living. I want us to look at this book called Philemon. And Philemon is the shortest of all of Paul's letters. Um, if, and we're going to cover pretty much the whole thing. And so if you're uh, one of my overachievers, you get to say that we covered an entire book of the Bible today. So you're welcome for that. But Philemon is really unique in a, in a couple really cool ways. It uh, is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to a man named Philemon. And based off of some context clues, we, we and scholars kind of surmise that Philemon was probably a leader in a church very near or in Colossae, where Paul also wrote a letter to a, that church called the Colossians. And it's a very personal letter. It gets very, very real, and it's based on a very straightforward but wild request. Paul is asking Philemon to forgive a slave of his that had wronged him in some way, stolen something from him, cheated him in some way, and then ran away with everything that he took with him. But Paul doesn't even just stop at forgiveness. Philemon, what happened is Philemon's former slave, a man named Onesimus, had become a Christian, had become a part of the kingdom community. And so Paul says not just to forgive him, but he says that you must also release him from slavery and to welcome him back into your home as an equal in the kingdom community. Let's, let's look at it. Look at verse chapter 4. Paul writes to Philemon, he says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Look at verse 6. The key word here is partnership. It's this word that we've been looking at all year. It's koinonia. Paul is making an appeal that we are all equal partners in the grace of Jesus. Look, look again at verse 8 now. It says, that is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it is the right thing for you to do. But because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you, consider this as a request from me, Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you to show kindness to my child, Onesimus. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been of much use to you in the past, but now he is very useful to us both. I'm sending him back to you, and with him comes my very own heart. 
So Paul writes this letter while he's in, the, in prison for preaching the gospel. And we don't know, you know, Colossians, Rome, very far from each other. We have no idea how, while Paul is in prison in Rome, how Onesimus found him. We don't know if he, if he knew who he, who he was. Maybe he had heard him preach when Paul had previously been in, Onesim, or in Philemon's home. But we don't know. But because he was a runaway slave in that day, his options would have been extremely limited. So maybe he was thrown in prison. Maybe he finds Paul because they're cellmates. We don't know. But what we do know is that he becomes a believer and ends up becoming somebody who's serving Paul while he's in prison. And uh, I love this. There's this sort of like play on words here going on where the word, the name Onesimus, the word in the original Greek, it's literally the word useful. And so you saw he has this little thing where he goes, useful hasn't been very useful to you. Useful's been useless, but now I'm sending useful back and he's useful to us both. Look again, we're continuing in verse 13. He says, I wanted to keep him here with me while I am in these chains for preaching the good news. And he would have helped me on your behalf, but I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. It seems you lost Onesimus for a little while so that you could have him back forever. He is no longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave, for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. And what I want you to see here is it would have been so easy for Paul to have just kept Onesimus with him. It would, he could have been working for Paul. They never have to ever interact with each other. You know, they have this, this tough past, this, this shared uh, kind of injury between the two of them. And in, instead, they could just be believers in different places. But God looks at them and, and Paul behaving in the same way as what he's seen from God. Paul knows that God desired more for the relationship between Onesimus and Philemon. And, and here's the thing. God cares so, so much about putting us into right relationships with one another. God's own relationship to us was not one that he was content to be distant and awkward he got real close and put in the work to make things right between us and him. And here's the truth. Building a kingdom community, gospel living, requires grace. The Apostle Paul said it in this way. He says, Ephesians 4.32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Everything I could tell you about how to be more graceful, how to forgive, how to let go, it all starts with realizing that we've been forgiven from so much. I said before that we tend to forget all the times that we get away with things, right? Or the times that we've received grace. And, and it, it's just a mindset. It, grace is a mindset. That's what I really want you to understand here. 
You know, when, when we decide that somebody has injured us and we, we walk around and we have something that's, that's, you know, somebody's offended us in some way, we don't, our, the way that we're wired, we're not thinking, we're not going, well, let me think about this. He did behave very poorly to me, but I was very short with my wife this morning and I did cut off that person on the way to church, so I guess I should overlook it because there's some red in my ledger. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the truth of the situation. It's not about whether we, we feel that we've received more justice or not. It's a mindset. I've met people who have, if you listen to their whole life story, you would, you would be shocked and you would say, how are you not just bitter all of the time? And their answer is, is always the same when they're not. It's Jesus. It's the gospel. When we put the gospel in and live it out and it becomes a mindset for us, it changes everything. And, and how do we do that? How do we make it a, a mindset? You know, Paul wrote to Philemon, he said that he hoped that the gospel would help him to deepen his understanding. And he puts it a different way in Romans 12, verse 2. He says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. This is the thing. We just need to think differently. We need to let God show us the grace that we've received. We need to remember the gospel. If we're going to live it out, we need to know what it is and, and have it front of mind that Jesus gave everything for us because the gospel is what reveals what grace is. I think one of the reasons that, you know, we forget about all the grace that we've received in our life is because most of the time, if we're being honest, a lot of times when we do wrong, it's really not, not as much that we get caught and people just let it go as much as we just don't get caught, right? You know, when I talked about running red lights, it's probably pretty rare that you've gotten pulled over for that and then he just lets you off with a warning, I'll look the other way, he won't do anything about it. But what I want you to see here is God is not looking the other way, right? God isn't pretending that he doesn't see our sins or our failures. God does the opposite. He forgives them and covers them at great cost. You see, Jesus knows everything we've ever done, the worst things in our life, the things that we haven't even done yet, he knows, and yet he still chose to die for them. And if everybody else was gone, if it was just you in the room and it was just your sin, your failures, he would still do it because he loves you. He chose to die for us. He chose us. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 5, starting in verse 7, he says, Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, he will certainly be saved through the life of his son. We will be saved. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God.
the proof, the indisputable fact that shows us the depth of God's incredible, unimaginable love for us is this. He sent his son to die for us. We never have to doubt about how somebody feels for us when they die for us. And, and the same way that God was not content for us to be in a broken relationship with him, he put, he put in all that work to, to make that right and fix it. This should be true for us and our relationships with each other in the kingdom, in the kingdom community, this gospel living. I want you to look at the end of Philemon. Verse 17, it says this. So if you consider me your partner, this word in the Greek, it's koinonos. So it, like koinonia, it's the same root. If you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. And then he writes this. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. And I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. This is the NLT. The capitalization is on their part, not ours. <laughs> yes, my brother, please do this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I ask and even more. This is such a powerful picture of the kingdom community, of gospel living. It's such a powerful picture of, a, of, a, of a atonement. And we need to talk about this word atonement. So let's just take a breath right here. Uh, I know you're thinking, wow, he's been going on a long time to introduce the concept atonement. And it's a big churchy word, and a lot of you guys have, list, like me, have listened to people go on for an hour about what atonement means. And if you're like me, you didn't understand a word of it. But I, I'm going to un, uh, unpack this for you really here because we like these big churchy words be specifically because they're like these suitcases that you can just pack a bunch of meaning into, right? It's like a word that's really useful because there's a bunch of meanings in, in it. But just like a suitcase, if I bring it with me and I never unpack it, then it's not very useful, right? It's useful because of what's inside. And so I have, I believe, a 60-second version that you will actually understand about atonement, right? Atonement at its core is two ideas, forgiveness and covering. Uh, the Bible Project's Dr. Tim Mackey uses this analogy to kind of explain the difference between these two that I think is super helpful, helped me understand, that it'd be like if you and I were at a restaurant and we're, we're, we get to the end of the meal and the waiter's coming in with the check and you realize, oh, I forgot my wallet and I can't pay for, for my, what I have, right? And if the waiter walked up and, he's like, and he hands you your check, it would not be sufficient for me to look at you and go, oh, it's okay. I forgave you for not being able to pay your bill. The waiter would just look at you like, okay, but who's going to cover it, right? Who's going to pay the price, right? And so atonement, what, what God does for us is it's not just that he forgives, but that he covers it. He pays what's due. That's atonement. And, and that's what this story is, is revealing. To Philemon, Paul says, if you are partners with me, then you're partners with him. And anything that he's done, anything that he owes, 
I will cover. And to us, God says, if you're partners with me, then you're partners with them. And anything that they owe you, I have already covered. That's gospel living. That is what God has done. God doesn't want an awkward and distant family. He wants a close and loving one. I, I, I want you to see the story. Is like, can you imagine how impossible this would be? Onesimus shows back up at Philemon's house after who knows how long. He's the one probably holding this letter from Paul. And he's showing up and, it, and, he said, and the letter says, hey, me who stole from you, who, who harmed you in all these ways, I'll, you got to welcome me back for the sake of the gospel. You got to do all these things. Is it possible that that actually worked? And the answer is yes, because God made a way. Jesus made a way. And if we trust God to handle our sin, to forgive us, we can trust him for anything. You will be shocked with what God can do, the things that feel impossible now. Romans 8.32 says, Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? So if we deepen our understanding of grace, if we, if we make grace our mindset, you'll be shocked by who you can call a brother and sister. That's what it means to be in a kingdom community of people who live the gospel. And before I'm done, I just want to make sure of one thing, just one thing I want to make sure absolutely clear is when I say that I want us to be able to remember how much we've been given and the grace that we have. I, I just want to make sure, I need, I need to make sure that you understand that I'm not saying that that means you need to conjure up every bad thing you've ever done in your life and think negatively about yourself, right? Hyperfixate on your sin and your failure. God doesn't want us to spend any, time, any more time than we have to thinking about how bad we are. We don't need God for that. I didn't need God to, to, to show me that I'm, I'm messed up. It's the enemy that wants us to dwell on our sins and our failures. You know, I used to just have these intrusive thoughts where I'd just be up in the middle of the night and I'd be like, oh, that thing I said six and a half years ago, I'm sure everybody else is still thinking about this like me. No, if you're hearing the gospel message and you think that it should be leaving you feeling bad, then you've misunderstood the whole gospel. The good news isn't just good news when it's all been thoroughly explained to you. It's just good news that God showed his love for us. These famous words remind us, John 3, 16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And it continues in verse 17. God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Hebrews 8:12, 8, 8, quoting God, speaking through the prophet Isaiah says, and I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. 
do you think God really wants us to dwell on what he's forgotten? Let me leave you with the words of Psalm 103. Starting in verse 8, it says, The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the heights of the heaven above the earth. He has removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. And so if you've never experienced this grace before, if you've never partnered in the mutual trust in Jesus, then I want to invite you to do that today. If, if, you've, if you've never done that, the way that we do this typically is we uh, unite with Jesus' saving death through a thing called baptism. And baptism doesn't save us, but it's a symbol of our trust in God and his saving grace, our trust in the gospel. And what it means to put our trust in God is that we stop being these tyrants who are always demanding justice for ourselves, but we can let Jesus be the king who gives us justice and who is our role model in bringing justice in our relationships. And, and if, you've, if you've never done that and, and you're interested, we can talk. But before that, I even want to just say that, that one of the ways we can do this is through prayer, just saying a simple prayer of our reliance on Jesus. And whether you've prayed this a hundred times or this is your first, I want to invite everybody to pray together here along this. Because here at Akua, we say you never have to pray alone. We're partners in this gospel. And so I'm going to uh, pray a quick prayer for us of just what it means to put our trust in Jesus. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you that you love me. God, I thank you that while I might beat myself down because of my sins, God, I might be angry at others because of the way I've been sinned against, God, I, I thank you that you have made a way to, to clear all of those feelings away, God. Following you, being your, being your disciple, living this gospel is so much better than anything we could do in our own power. Help me to put my trust in you. Amen. And the last thing that I want to do, just as we close out our time today, is just lead you in a, a, what we call a listening moment. And there's nothing, nothing to this. If you've never done this before, you know, all it is is just a moment for you to sit with God and see if he has anything he wants to say to you. And we'll just take a couple minutes. There's no rush, nothing, you know, the game's not till five. Uh, you're good. But just take a moment and just see if there's anything that was said here today, anything, any of these scriptures that God just wants to put deeper on your heart. And if you need something, if you need something to kind of catalyze you, you know, I have a question here for you, which is simply this, like, Lord, who do you want me to show grace to? And so let's listen.
Father, I thank you for everything that you've done, God, for me. Lord, I, I don't want to be stuck in my own head of holding things against people, God. I don't want to hold things against myself. Lord, you've taught that there's no condemnation for those who put their trust in you, and that includes self-condemnation. So God, where I've failed this, show me your grace and help me to extend that grace. Let it, let it form me, transform me into a new person with a new heart. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, I got just a couple quick announcements for you guys. And I went long, so let's see if I can do this real fast. Which is, first is this. We started our community groups. We love community here at Akuo. These are the lifebloods of our group. You saw Evan a moment ago. These are some of the best times that you're going to have at Akuo is during the week, not on a Sunday, except for the groups that meet on Sunday. And so uh, I encourage you, if you haven't joined one yet, if you want to get more info, please just come and talk to us and ask. Um, if you're even needing one more step back and you're like, what was that thing about that baptism? Let me encourage you to come talk to us after the service. We're going to be having baptisms on March 30th, which is Easter Sunday, or 31st, 31st. And uh, so if you are uh, going to be interested in having those conversations, Pastor Humby and Abel are going to be at that table and, or talk to me uh, to come find us. We'd love to have that conversation with you. We would love to celebrate Easter the, the best way that you can, which is celebrating new lives being transformed by Jesus. Um, additionally, I just want to say that uh, part of what we do here, everything that we get to do is because of y'all's generosity. Like, this isn't just do us doing this because uh, of what we want to do. Like, y'all have, have provided a way for us to be able to gather as a church here. And so one of our goals and one of our commitments to y'all is that we're always going to be generous with, with you guys and generous back. And so um, if you're somebody that is like, I would love to be generous, I'd love to be generous to the church or whatever, but actually my biggest thing is I need help then I would encourage you, come talk to me, talk to Humby, uh, talk to Abel, find us. We would love to help you. We've done lots of different things in the past, like rent assistance, helped with the utility bill. Um, if you're in need, please don't hesitate to, to tell us because uh, we've got lots of, uh, it's y'all's money, and we would love to use it to help y'all. And so uh, please do that. But if you do consider Akuo your, your home church and you want to uh, support that or you feel called to give here in any way, a couple different ways for you to do that. The first is we have a box over by the entrance. Love for you to be able to uh, just drop that off there. If you need an envelope, find us. We can help you. Or you can text Akuo in any dollar amount uh, to the number 77977. And that's a very easy way to get that all set up. Or if uh, nothing else, um, you can also um, give online at akuo.church. There's a giving link. Uh, lastly, I want to say if you need prayer, uh, there's a uh, prayer table up here at the front. We would love to pray with you. If you just have anything, it doesn't need to be something major. It could be something small. Please don't hesitate to be prayed over. And lastly, there's lots of fun things we're going to be doing this month. So please go to uh, akuo.church slash calendar to find out about that. We've got uh, communion coming up, another one of our pizza in the pavilions. Get all the details you need there. Uh, and in, indeed, after this service, go ahead and hang out at the pavilion. Uh, it's open. There's waters and uh, some fun things for let your kids run around. So please hang out with us today and have a great week, everyone. 
Thanks for spending time with us today. You can find this message and any recent sermon available on demand at our website, akuo.church. That's A-K-O-U-O dot church. Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Akuo Church. Welcome to the community. We hope to hear from you soon.